Good good morning. Good good, good morning. Good morning. I'm good. I'm good. My call recorder is working. Uh my my audio works. Uh things yeah. Yeah, th- same. There, same, it, same. I have I have power. Um <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Did you did you have a storm? Is that what, what happened? <clears throat> no. Um no. We did not. Um, <laughs> Just no power. I, well, so you know, it, it was it's interesting. Um <clears throat> What apparently happened is that there. So there's. I, I, have we talked? We've talked about electricity on this show before, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's come up. It's it's not been a, a major topic, but it's come up before, sure. Yeah. But but I think it has. And have we talked about transformers? I I seem to remember having a conversation <laughs> with somebody about transformers and how transformers work. Is that is that ringing a bell with you at all? It's it's possible. Uh, it's it's not it's not ringing a bell, but I'm I'm not going to rule it out that uh, okay. that we uh, haven't had this conversation. Maybe in the in the back catalog. Well, because yeah. at one point I was walking the dog and I did see a transformer in my neighborhood catch on fire. Oh so yeah, that's yeah. A, yes. Did we did yeah, we talk you, about that? Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm not. I'm. I, I knew I had a conversation with somebody. I was pretty sure it was you. So um, <laughs> so no 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 transformers um caught on fire, but so. Uh, there's in my neighborhood, you know, the, there's, there's power lines and there's transformers and, 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 and my house is served by a transformer that also serves a, just like a half a dozen houses. Right. And apparently there was a problem with that transformer. Um, and so it, it was weird because the power went off and then the power came back on. I'm like, oh, well that must just be cause it's hot and everybody's running their air conditioning. And then um, it went off again, and it stayed off. And I'm like, huh, that's hmm. really weird. Um, I wonder, you know, let me go on the website and see if, if you know, maybe the whole town is out, you know, maybe half the town. Um, and no, no no outages. And so I, I go, I call them up. I go through the telephone um, thing and uh, report the outage. And I go back on the website, and I see, yes, there is an outage. Uh, one to 20 homes may be affected. And oh. I'm like, wow, that's re- I'm really glad that I called because apparently I'm the one Wow. of the one to 20 homes. And, and then, and then a guy came out in a truck. Um, first guy came. Um, and of course, when you, when you call them on the phone, um, they say, don't talk to the drivers, you know, maintain your social distance. They're busy working, you know, and, and so, but, and the driver, the driver is talking to like people that are in, sitting on their porches saying, Hey, did you hear any noises? And, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I guess if he's breaking the silence, I, I right. can say, and I said, well, no, I did not hear any noises. I did not hear a pop. Um, uh, but I was inside with the air conditioning on. He's like, okay, well, you know, um, and I explained the whole thing and power went off, power went on, went off, didn't come back. It's like, yeah, well, sometimes they have like uh, switches uh, that, that, you know, that, that, that are supposed to trigger that, that didn't trigger. And he's like, I'll, you know, and then I'll, I'll, you know, whatever. And he just went to work. Right. And I left him alone. Cause that's what they said on the phone. <laughs> I shouldn't leave people alone. Um, and then a, a little while later, I hear him talking to one of the other neighbors and he said something like a couple of hours. Like I just, I, he wasn't talking to me. I heard the end of the conversation. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. A couple of hours. And I go on the website and it says, um, you know, um, I forget exactly what the message was, but something like, you know, power be restored by nine o'clock. And then we're getting closer and closer to nine o'clock and there's no truck there. And then, and nine o'clock comes and a truck comes by and, and it just drives by. It doesn't stop. (laughs) Oh, the other thing I have to say, when the first guy came, he drove by a couple of times and I guess maybe he was like looking, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty like the, the phone system knew 
who I was, right? It knew my right, right. phone number. It knew my address. So it knew who called in. Like the system knows which what which address <laughs> reported the power outage. But I guess maybe he was looking for down lines or you know just you know, sort of checking case in the case in the neighborhood. Um, and and he and he and then but again, so he goes and he comes back, or you know he circles around and comes back, and we have the whole interaction, and then he drives off, and then. Another, you know, nine o'clock comes and then a truck comes by and the truck just sort of drives by and keeps on going like that's really weird. And then it's the website says 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock or something. And then, you know, a little while goes by and then another truck comes by and doesn't really stop. Or or I guess well, at one point at <laughs> 11, 11, a truck, uh, two, two trucks come and they're shining lights up on the transformer. And then they're, they're, they're then they go and they talk to each other. And of course, I'm not going to go talk to the guys. It's like right. 11 o'clock so, at night. Yeah, I've yeah. been given instructions not to talk to the, to the guys that are fixing the thing. Um, and they drive off. And I'm like, well, what the hell is going on? And then the when the website, you know, then the website says midnight. And I'm like, well, f- screw it. I'm going to bed. Right. Yeah. It's like because because I I was I was really I was all psyched. I was like, okay, this is great. I'm this is going to be like. And there's no TV tonight because <laughs> there's no power. But my my evening treat is I'm going to get to watch men fix you know a transformer. <laughs> Right. Be interesting. Right. Right. It's I'm a curious, lot. I'm a curious person. I would like to see this. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I, I've been thinking about it, been thinking about doing the show, and it just—I really, I'm not very impressed with JCPNL. I was, I was very impressed with the system at first. I was very impressed that the guy got to my house so quickly, but the, all of the follow-up was terrible. Right? It was just like, like giving me information that turns out not to be useless. And I, and I've got to imagine that, like. You know, like the first guy came and he probably said what he thought was wrong. I mean, why? Like, why, why was there? I mean, and admittedly, it's a little window on a website, but why? Why? Why could there not be more accurate information? If you needed, and at one point the website said additional uh, equipment requested or additional crews requested. I I, I, took, I screenshotted it, but but it's it was just like, you know, how the the message that you're conveying to me. Um, oh, I didn't I didn't take a screenshot of that, but yeah, at one point it said additional um, assistance requested or something. So maybe this is a two truck job and, or maybe it's a, you know, and then the, I think finally the guys that did fix it, it was a big truck and a little truck. So maybe you needed a big truck. I mean, but, it, but the whole, I've got to think that they knew what they were doing because if they had to send multiple trucks out multiple times to figure out that that truck couldn't do the job, that's just not good. That's just not managing your people well. Right. 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 So, I mean, and, the, and again, the whole communication with me was not, was not very helpful either. So I, anyway, I would, I would really like to have the whole back channel conversation. Like when the first guy came, what did his report say? Why, why was the time not right? Why did trucks keep driving by and not stopping? <laughs> Where were they going? Yeah. Well, they were going for another job probably because they didn't, they couldn't do anything about this one. Right. But then that, that means the information that they were given was not correct. I mean, I understand it's complicated, right? Like I, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know anything about, uh, you know, how power companies work and, but it just, <laughs> it just seemed to me, to my, my perspective as the customer, it was not a good customer experience and it really didn't seem like they knew what they were doing, you know? Right. So, right, right. Anyway. Huh. That's my that's my, my morning rant. So yeah, but bad bad communication, right? Bad communication because if you like, they should have known. I would have. I my my. I think they would have known. Oh, it's going to be two in the morning before it's fixed. Well, just tell me that. Like, don't stop telling me it's going to be nine. It's going to be ten. It's going to be eleven. Just like, don't you know? Right, right, <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. Like, if if it's really a truck that's a two truck job and it's going to require changing the transformer out, well. Like that, that's not a thing that you're going to fix in an hour if there's no truck there at that point. Right. Well, and, so, it, yeah. well, and, and also what's the, 
what's the well, the harm to them in communicating the correct timeline? It's not like you're going to go right. switch your power source, right? Like right. they're not going to lose a customer. Just, well, just it, yeah, just let me know. Yeah, yeah and in fact, what I'm what I'm probably going to do is I'm probably going to go to bed. And then just prep for the night instead of thinking, you know, like, because it was the whole thing just sort of cascade. Yeah, you know, it would help me plan, Ben. It would help me plan if I knew right. the sketch. Right. Know? Yeah. Just give me, just give me an indication th- that's realistic, not, not uh, aspirational. Like, right. we, we, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's times to be aspirational. This is not one of those times. <laughs> we right? hope to, we hope to have it fish, or, fixed by nine. Or, <laughs> or, or say, or say, we, the soonest it will be fixed is nine yes. and the latest it will be fixed is two, right? Uh, you know, or something. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad. So, so I woke up this morning. Um, and and texted you because I was I was following uh, this in a in a tweet in a in a live tweet action yeah kind of a, yeah kind of a, a disjointed tweet thread which I need to close the loop on and explain that the power came back on uh, so it was good I really I, I enjoyed that I was uh, I, um I was zooming with my with my hockey team uh, which I want to I want to come back to because I gotta I gotta talk and, to and you by, about and by yeah. zooming you mean um on a zoom call you are not literally zooming in true. Your- Somewhere. Yes, yes. On a Zoom call uh, with. You, with... Hey, speaking of speaking of zooming, do you do you like the music of the Tom Tom Club? They have a great song called "Zooming and Booming." I think. No, it's, I, it's... I don't know who the Tom Tom Club is. You, uh, Ben. Yeah. Is it, how, how do you? What? I, I don't know who is who right, is this let, band. All right, let's let me let me let me take a step back. Have you ever heard of a band called the Talking Heads? Oh yes, I'm I'm familiar okay. with the Talking Heads. Oh look at this, okay. they were uh, both members of the Talking Heads. And their best song includes Wordy Rapping Hood, Genius. Wordy Rapping Hood, which is a great song. Yeah. Yes. And a cover of the Drifters Under the Boardwalk. All yeah, no, I don't know. This is the I so New Wave was not something that really hit my my house uh very very heavily. Um my my parents were 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 old boomers and uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they, they weren't they weren't the young they the young zooming boomer. and booming they booming weren't and they weren't booming and zooming they were they were old booming, uh, and <laughs> they uh, yeah yeah so so we there wasn't a lot of like I, I mean I know the Talking Heads because of um, when I was a teenager I listened to this radio station which used to be really really awesome as as all things are right used to be really really awesome uh, in Toronto uh, and and it's called um, now the Edge one hundred and two but was known as CFNY 102.1. Um, and, and they had, uh, it was the like new rock alternative, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, station, but also because it was alternative, they did a whole bunch of like old, older stuff. So I, that's how I knew the talking heads was through that. Um, anyway, Wait, 102.1, I, the edge, 102.1, edge.ca, edge. it is, it is now, oh. but, but so, so they were at some point in my high school, uh, years or maybe early in college, they were purchased by like a you know a national radio um, you know syndication um, conglomerate, uh, which I believe is called Chorus Radio. I'm, it's fascinating that I know all of this uh, <laughs> uh, radio uh, radio history. But so so we do. I do stream um, uh, music from from Canada every once in a while because the, the, is that it, legal? Well, so I'm not. I I'm, I'm not actually <laughs> sure. Uh, because 102.1, you can't stream in the U.S. It's all blocked, and I don't know why. Well, unless you have a VPN. Well, no, <laughs> there's ways, Ben. No, let me tell you. Even if you have a VPN, because the it, the the for whatever reason, the streamers re- uh, relate to not just your IP address, but also the location in, uh, settings in your phone, and it won't let you stream if you turn location settings off. So you can't like mask your, your location. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they got it all figured out. 
Um, well, but wait a minute. But you could. But you could. Can you stream from? If you can stream from a website, you could. You could get a VPN that makes the them think that they're going to a place in Canada, right? Well, yeah. So you can do that, but you can't turn your privacy. It won't let. It, it's it's basically two factor authentication. So it's both your your because we wouldn't want anyone stealing free radio from Canada, right? Right. <laughs> and I'm and hopefully there's I'm sure there's some some listeners that can help me around this. Um, but but yeah, there. It, it, not all things work this way. So. Some so in, in fact I have uh, um, I, I watch when when we used to have sports uh, back back in the old days um, I used to watch Canadian sports th- uh, uh, streaming online uh, using a VPN and certain like I can do it on my my Apple TV but I can't do it on my on my uh, phone because of like pro, you know whatever however uses location services um, so a- anyway. The, what I was the where I was going with this is that I the there's a new radio station or re, new to me at least called Indie eighty eight, and they do stream to the uh, to the U S. and it's now called Toronto's new alternative, and it's a bunch of the people that used to be on CFNY one hundred two point one have now either started this this independent radio station, um, and it's really good. So, but so here's the why why do I care about all these things. Um, it, why, why would I go to all these lengths to, to stream Canadian music or Can- Canadian radio station? Isn't the music just the same? Aren't we all just listening to Arcade Fire and, and, <laughs> and, and Pearl Jam? Well, no. So, so Canadian, um, broadcast has a requirement for Canadian content, CanCon. So, so 30% of what's on the, yes, <laughs> yeah. a made up word. I know. Isn't it amazing? It is totally made up. Um, so 30% of what's broadcast, at least 30% has to be, I think we've talked about this in the past. It's got to be like written by, performed by, produced by, or recorded in. There's like four different things that are part of this system. Of course, again, because Canadians are great at acronyms called MAPLE. Um, and it stands for M-A-P-L, uh, which I don't know. No, that's how you spell maple. It doesn't stand for anything. No, it's, it, 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 that's true. It, it is, uh, I have not eaten, uh, or had enough food today. Uh, oh, wait, or, are you, are you, you're still doing your, um, 7-Eleven? Yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm full in. Yeah. Mm. So here we go. Here's a Wikipedia, uh, uh, article to Canadian content, uh, abbreviated CanCon, uh, directly in the uh, w- Wikipedia, and the Maple redirects here, uh, and it is because uh, for music require the requirements are referred to as the Maple System, following an extensive public hearing process organized by the CRTC. The Maple System, created by Stan Cleese, uh, was adopted in 1971 to define and identify Canadian content. Um, oh, so now it's, uh, oh, oh, hang on a second. It's now 40%, uh, radio stations have to, or 40% of what a radio station plays has to be meet this maple system. And, uh, if I can, and, and wait, and, but maple doesn't stand. Oh, it for does. It thing? does. No, no. So here it is. I found it. How the it's maple not multi-agent system, planning language. It is not. Clearly. No, 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 it is not. <laughs> don't pop, don't pop that stack. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so to qualify how the maple system works, to, oh, okay, yeah, I see, yes. to qualify as Canadian content, a musical selection must generally fulfill at least two of the following conditions. M music. The music is composed entirely by a Canadian. 
a and I think that probably means or Canadians. A mm. artist, the music is or the lyrics are performed principally by a Canadian. P performance, the musical selection consists of a performance that is recorded wholly in Canada or performed wholly in Canada and broadcast live in Canada. And L lyrics, the lyrics are written entirely by a Canadian. Um, so, so I've got a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Go you, you, this, you in the does, back. Yeah. Does this does this podcast uh, meet meet the criteria? Oh my god, I don't because because un, unless you talk more, I don't think I don't think it does. No, right? no. And, well, and there is there is music which we haven't properly licensed, um, um, <laughs> which is performed by a Canadian and music and artist. Yeah, so I think that. The, our our bump music, yes, yes, for sure, it, uh, meets Canadian content, and so I guess we would just have to, if we were to broadcast uh, our podcast live on uh, Canadian uh, radio stations, because you know, like 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 we would going back, if this was a, a radio station, uh, it would uh, we we would not, uh, I we I don't think we would meet the Maple, uh, we would not fulfill two of the conditions. Um, which would be me, you know, me being uh, an artist, uh, a part of this, uh, I'm, I'm less, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only half of the, the process. So right. no, yeah, yeah, no, no, we would not meet Canadian content. But, anyway, but what, 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 what I, what I love about the whole thing is it's, it's a kind of a good acronym, but also you say maple, which is like, that's also a Canadian thing right. because you have the maple leaf on your flag. So, of course. Anyway. Right. Like, like yeah. that's, that's how. Um, how us how us Canadians work? We we try to make sure like our our acronyms are maple, geese, uh, syrup, uh, leaves. Yeah, I, I mean I'm sure we can figure out other things that that we could make it sound like. And then you just work backwards from that, right? And, yeah, and fill in fill in the there's uh there's generators on the internet that'll help you with this. Uh, if you yes. if you need to. Um. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, I, we, uh, my, my Alexa, you and I, and I'm, I'm interested in this. I want to come back to you and I were having a, a, a mm. quick text conversation about streaming uh, music uh, in our homes um, earlier this week. And uh, we, we, you, you asked if I had a home pod and I said, I have like nine Alexa things. Uh, Alexa, stop. Alexa. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and and so I and we do. Um, and I, actually, I think it's not nine. I think it's seven. Like the kids have one in their room, and they have another one in the 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 room that they hang out and play video games in. And then we have a, a couple in our kitchen. And anyway, um, but I I can stream Indie eighty eight through the through the Alexa lady uh, in the in the can. And uh, but I can't stream uh, CFNY 102.1 like it's blocked. I don't I truthfully do not understand the whole process on why one is allowed and one isn't. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it, it is. Um, but but I really like that. that so anyway, the Tom Tom Club to get to here is because I learned all of the new wave music from uh, CFNY 102.1. Uh, and now so uh, just to just just to close that loop, I just I do want to read to you briefly <clears throat> your 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 homework immediately after the the podcast is to listen to uh, Booming and Zooming by Tom Tom Club. We'll link in the uh, in the show notes. Um, the lyrics. I just want to read to you briefly from the lyrics. If they could see me now, booming and zooming. If they could see me now, booming and zoom, zooming. And then I believe that they have. This is this. The next lyrics are come from a. Um, if I'm remembering the song correctly, come from uh, authentic sounding audio of a guy talking to an airplane. Uh, F104, come in, 
F-104, come on, get down, F-104, ho, get back up, F-104, and, and now, one more time for me, on the ground, F-104, get down. So anyway, uh, it's, it's a really good, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good song. So. All right, I'm, I'm going to check that yep. out. I have homework for you, uh, speaking okay. of which, and, it, and I was going to give you this homework last night. Um, but you had no, you had no electricity. And so it was, mm-hmm. I, I felt that I, it was, it was an unfair, um, uh, situation to put you in. Cause I thought at the last minute I wanted you to watch, um, a show. And, uh, so, so this is, it's a, it's a, it, you're going to need to invest 22 minutes of your time, uh, and you're going to watch, uh, Kim's convenience. And I think we talked about Kim's convenience maybe in the last episode or maybe a couple of weeks. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's on Netflix and it's a, it's a Canadian show. Cause we're, it, it was all Canadian content today. We're hitting our maple. <laughs> um, but so, so it's, it's a, it, it's one of these shows that, that I, um, I, I've been watching. Um, and I, I talked to you about, um, uh, working moms a while ago, a couple of years ago, another one of these, these shows that produced in Canada is, and is, was on, or does air on CBC, the Canadian broadcast, uh, corporation, the, that, that channel that also airs hockey night in Canada, uh, when, when we used to have hockey. Um, and the, it, it, the show, it's not, I mean, it's not fantastic. So please don't go into this thinking that you're going to uh, watch an Emmy award winning show. Um, so it, what you're saying is it's no letter Kenny. Oh, it's no letter Kenny. It is. It, no, it is. It, it, but it is about um, both of them. Uh, really, they, they feature the city of Toronto in in wide shots and in places, and it has a very Toronto feel. So for me, I watched the show for for nostalgia reasons, and mm-hmm. I don't. It's not that I p- particularly like the. I don't know the character. I mean, they're it, they're fine. It's just not the greatest show, but. Um, but it's got a, a very trial feel, but, but there's, here's, here's why I'm not going to make you watch a show that I think is not great. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm going to make you watch a show that I think is not great, but has an entire show about food safety and oh. yeah. And so, so the episode is, is, uh, um, in season one, episode nine, and, uh, it's entitled best before. Um, and so, cool. yeah, yeah. So, so let me, um, and, and it's, I, I want, I want you to watch this. I was actually, had a plan to to talk about this on one of our um, Zoom YouTube uh, uh, conversations with with Michelle and Linda because this was it, it's very it's very Canadian. I was like, we should all you guys you know the Canadians especially should go watch this. Um, anyway, so let me read the storyline uh, from this episode, which we'll put into show notes. Um, Mr. Kim and Janet butt heads over a case of expired ravioli. Janet wants to return it to the wholesaler, but Mr. Kim claims it's still good. Doesn't Janet know that the best before dates are a conspiracy? Mr. Kim proves his point by cracking <laughs> open a can and digging in. He barely has time to glow before his stomach starts rumbling and he's racing to the bathroom. Janet would love to rub it in, but looks like her stomach's upset as well. Meanwhile, Mrs. Kim serving up her homemade um, Galba Jim, uh, when I'll, we'll link to this in a second, cause I'm sure I totally screwed up the pronunciation. Uh, but, uh, she was Mrs. Kim serving up her homemade Galba Jim at the church bazaar when a surprise visit by Jung forces her to admit that she's embarrassed, uh, by her son's troubled past, which sounds, gets a little dark, but, um, but anyway, what, ga- um, Galba Jim is, uh, have you, do you, are you it's familiar a, with this? I'm, I'm very familiar. Uh, Ben, this is, uh, uh what we would call a braised short rib. Um, it's a Korean steam dish made with um, uh, galbi. Uh, beef galbi is sometimes referred to as gary, so the dish can be called gary jim. Gary jim galbi. <laughs> just now I'm just reading from yeah. Wikipedia, but yes. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure I've had uh, Korean braised short ribs, which is what um, Americans and Canadians would call this. Uh, but the uh, traditional Korean name is Galbi Jim. Uh, so, so anyway, can I? So, so I want you to, I want you to watch this, and I, oh, I, I, this is one of these ones where it's like a spoiler. I want to give you a little spoiler alert on this um, without totally. Um, uh, messing it up, but but I, I, there's there's a turns out in this in this episode, and watching it as a food safety person the first time, the opening scene is all about best before dates, and and a ton of misinformation about how they lead to food safety concerns, mm-hmm. and, and and I it, I watched the show, and in the first that that you know first six or seven minutes where they go through this, I think, ah, oh, here's another situation of. Uh, of the, they just needed a, a public health consultant. Yep. Right. Yep. Just to get it right. But there's a turns out. So, so I don't yeah, know. And I, I, and, I, yeah. and, and I think, uh, I think you've done a good job of not spoiling it, but I think I can guess what the turns out is. And so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm down to watch this for sure. It's only 22 minutes. I need something else to do today. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> and, and maybe, so, so the characters are great. Um, it's not a like I said. It, I, I don't want to. I don't want to undersell this show because I think it's it, it's it is. I'm gonna watch all of it, but it's one of those shows where I, I will put it on as I'm either going to sleep and maybe I'll fall asleep because it's not like it's not grabbing my attention, and then I'll have to go back and rewatch two or three episodes because it because Netflix just plays, um, or I'll I'll have it on in the background. But it they're 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 um, they're delightful characters. They're really um, I, I I enjoy them. It's just not you know. I don't know. It's one of those shows where it's like it's not Letterkenny, which I I have to, you know, I got to invest my time. I'm watching that one from from start to finish, and that's all I'm focused on. So anyway, Kim's Convenience, best before food safety content. I immediately thought of you while I was watching this, and thought, oh, Don, Don's gonna, you gotta watch this. So cool. Um, so I so I got I've got another thing that I wanted to ask you about. Um, mm. and so, so last night, I, the, what, what started me down the, the Tom Tom club, uh, conversation was that I was zooming and booming with my hockey team, Gunga La Gunga. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, any uh, first time listeners, welcome to the show. I promise we are going to talk about food safety at some point. We just did. Not all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, true, true. Um, okay. Okay, no, but this is this is infection control, food safety, our world of COVID nineteen, all coming together. So, so we're we're zooming um, uh, once every couple of weeks. My team gets together and we put it all in gallery view and we talk like about things that we would talk about and in the dressing room and we catch up and and that we've been doing this um, yeah, this is probably six or seven times now over the, the last three months. Just because I think the the group of people that I play hockey with we. That's our like really is our social thing. Like we, you know, as as you get older, well, when when you're younger, when you're in college, you know, you on a on a Thursday or Friday or Saturday night, you might get go you know call your friends up and go to a bar and all go hang out. I, I as I've gotten older, I don't do that. I I meet all of my friends at the hockey arena, and mm-hmm. we we play hockey for an hour and a half, and then we um, sit around and, and, and drink beer and, and be real social. So anyway, I think our, our, my, my social world really missed that. So we've been zooming and it's been great. Like, you know, nine guys will get on and we are, we're all, um, sort of yelling over each other, making jokes and, uh, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but, but the conversation last night was about, um, that, that there, the arena has, I don't, I don't quite understand this. Like they have opened up to private rentals 
And so, so our um, we're we're currently in you know the multi phases of of reopening um, the the economy as it's as it's known on on the internet um, of of getting back to doing things like we were uh, before uh, the pandemic hit because a lot of pressure from the outside of politically. Uh, and, and so our governor who's been I, I really, really good. I, I've been super impressed with him. And, uh, and, and we have a, his name's uh, Roy Cooper. He, uh, he, he there's our, our secretary of health. Her name's uh, Dr. Mandy uh, Cohen. They, they've just, I mean, still are, are, you know, sometimes daily three or four times a week are, are doing updates about cases and, and what we're doing. But um, when restaurants, opened back up their dining uh, rooms to 50% capacity a couple of weeks ago, there was, um, in the initial plans, we're, we're now in phase two, uh, in the initial plans for phase two, it was going to also include uh, gyms and and bars. And um, based on really the lack of progress that our state has made in, in reducing, uh, slowing the, the case uh, um you know, positive uh, cases. The the governor really pulled back um, and said, "No, we're we'll, we'll reopen restaurants, uh, and and we're going to do so because we have this super awesome program called Count on Me NC um, that uh, we'll I'll come back to in a minute. Uh, but but we're not we're not going to um, open gyms. We're not going to open bars, and included in not opening gyms, other like you know uh, places where people do athletics, that, including our, our skating rinks." So, so they didn't they didn't open back up to, to sort of public things, but right now we have a, a um, our executive order, and again, none of these things are magic. And you and I have talked about this quite a bit, but but we have a limit of no more than ten people in a gathering if it's indoors, and no more than twenty five people in a gathering if it's outdoors, right? Um, but people have been rent like allowed to rent the ice. And have like a private event that the that, that I, I guess like because the business isn't facilitating it they and they they I, and I again I'm I'm gonna guess at this because I haven't talked to anybody about it but they they don't um, they they either say well um, we're, we're the gathering the you know in in uh, Richard Fingers is going to be um, how many people are in a dressing room. And and we're not going to have more than ten people in a dressing room because it's because this is indoors. So so you know no more than six people in, in each dressing room. And then the gathering on the ice, well there's there's no more than than ten people on the ice, ten skaters and two goalies. So 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 on the ice that's one like you know area of gathering, and it's going to be no more than those people. And then on each bench, we, you know because we're going to limit how many people come in, um, it's no more than ten in each gathering. And I I don't like truthfully I don't think it fits the spirit of the executive order because I would look at a private rental of, you know, 20, 25, uh, people getting together to rent the ice and play hockey as a, as a gathering. Uh, but, but I, I mean, I guess I see the loophole in, in the process. Um, anyway, so we talked a little bit about that last night. Some of the guys on my team are, are going to rent the ice and, and, and get together and, and do it. And they talked about how the arena is, um, uh, using electrostatic, uh, uh, sprayer for disinfectant and they're using something like this the, you know, these, these are fascinating things instead of using like something scary like hydrogen peroxide they're using a botanical disinfectant Don 
Um, and so it's, it's, it's much better for your, for your kids, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> any, right. But it's natural, Ben. It's natural. Anyway, what they're using. So I, I looked this up, um, cause they posted about it. It's, it's a product that's derived from thymol. Um, and it's a disinfectant that's, it's, it's from a, an oil extract of thyme that does appear on EPA's list N. So I'm like, mm. okay, well, you're okay. You're, you're following that. Um, they, they've got a, a one-way route when people come in, you you check in, um, you go in through one door, you exit through a different door. Um, you can only show up, um, I think it's 10 minutes before your ice time. So you only have 10 minutes to get dressed. And once you are off the ice, you have 10 minutes to get off. There's no no showers that are, well, there are showers there, but you're not allowed to to use them. Um, there's no congregating in a dressing room afterwards. So, so if you want to go drink beer, go outside and social distance in the in the parking lot, which I'm sure breaks another law um, somewhere. Um, but, but anyway, so they, so I think they've done a pretty good job of talking through this this process. Um, but, but that, so that's for private rentals, and that's that's on phase two, and and eventually we'll move to phase three, whether it's at you know at the end of June or in July. Um, but the arena and the so is, is preparing for um, a- adult hockey recreation leagues to to restart because we you know abruptly start, stopped in 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 March, um, and so so they've put a date of I don't know June twenty eighth or something on it saying okay we're gonna have leagues again, and I'm you know so I'm I, I play on two teams and I captain one team and I'm not I'm like not ready to go back to do this like like just based on you know a thousand plus cases a day rolling in in North Carolina um this it is congregating and the thing that I wanted to talk to you about and I think um we 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 I don't think we've alluded to this in the last two episodes because we um we we had a couple of guests on but we you and I worked on with with Michelle um, Danluk on a on a proposal uh, for um, COVID nineteen in the food industry um, to, that went into um, the Department of Agri- US, USDA. I'm trying to like be all like uh, ex- expl- explanatory for folks that don't know our weird little world, but the National Institutes of Food and Agriculture, uh, NIFA, does a lot of um, uh, sponsoring of research and, and outreach and extension. And so anyway, we, we put in a proposal uh, to, to look at um, managing and generating data uh, around COVID-19 in the food industry, because that's what we've been doing for the last three months. Um, anyway, one of the things that, that came up, and, I, and I, I've read it, uh, do it like as part of the preparation uh, and, and writing of that, um, that proposal was uh, it's something that I haven't been able to like go by. And when I was zooming and booming with my team, I didn't go back and find it. But but this thought that one of the factors that may be leading to clusters of illnesses in meat and poultry plants is cold temperatures, cooler temperatures, right? Like it's it's under some level of refrigeration. Maybe it's 39, 42, 45 degrees, whatever it is, but it's cool mm-hmm. in that, in that, those facilities. And, and we know that cool, cool, uh, air and cool environment is, uh, is something that will prolong the virus stability. And so I look at a hockey arena, like a meat plant <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and I think, yep. right. Like, so I think it's riskier than, than soccer outside and, or, yes. or, or the yes. pool, right? Like, and, and so, so anyway, all of those things I, I'm my, and my, my hockey team, it's funny. It's like a bunch of 
you know, a bunch of guys, we all come from different, you know, backgrounds and all walks of life. And, and, you know, um, there's, there's blue collar and white collar and no collar, uh, P, uh, um, folks that, that work on this team. But, but one, one of the guys on the, on the team, um, who's our, who's our captain, we, we had this conversation and he's like, Hey, I totally get it. He's like, you can't like, he's like, we'll probably go, go forward and do some private rentals. I, he's like, I'm looking to you for, for feedback. So we can say to the league, Hey, it's maybe not, you know, it's too early to actually bring this, bring this league back. Um, but he's like, I totally understand if you feel uncomfortable and don't want to come play hockey. Like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna make fun of you for, for being into public health, which I really, (laughs) which is like, it's something, it's so funny. It's like, I really appreciated that. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so anyway, that's, I, I wanted to lay that out. So what do you, what are your, what are your thoughts as someone who's not like, you know, you're, you've got no, you got no skin in the game. I want to be playing hockey. Like, that's the thing, right? Like I want to, I, 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 it is one of the things that I miss the most and is really hard for me to not like, I don't know, to, to not just say, Oh, you know what? Um, all the, all this COVID-19 stuff, it's important and all the other facets of life, but I'll make an exception in hockey in my world. Cause I want to do it. And so, so anyway, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Well, yeah. So first let me share, it's not an analogous experience, but, but it, it's, I guess it's somewhat analogous. And, and again, because of this work that we've been doing and thinking and living in this, in this world, like we, we are looked upon as experts. I mean, to a certain, to a certain degree. Right. Um, and I'm going to actually be doing a new Jersey.com uh, Facebook live thing uh, later today um, where I'm going to answer a bunch of questions about COVID-19. And it was down to me and a real expert (laughs) at the university. (laughs) And uh, the other guy didn't want to do it. And he's like a fancy, he's a fancy guy um, from, from, you know, like a super expert fancy guy. We'll link, we'll link to him, (laughs) link to him um, in the, uh, in, in the show notes description. Um, But, 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 but the analogous thing is I got an an email yesterday um, from my department chair saying, Hey, look, um, we are in anticipation of opening up the department. We need to figure out what our best practices are going to be for the department. And, you know, we, you know, you, <laughs> we watched your advice. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And so I'm going to actually have a conversation with him later. And I, and, and the sort of, so the, the segue to what you're talking about is, and this is, and this is what I've been doing in a lot of the media I've been doing as well. Actually, I did it just yesterday talking to a I think it was a Washington Post reporter about about uh, you know again about about restaurants opening up, but um, is this idea of let's have a conversation about risk, right? And so, I mean, your point about a hockey rink is riskier than a pool or than outdoor soccer. I agree. We don't know riskier by how much, but we know it's definitely riskier, and we know we know the risks of the virus, and so you know. How 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 can we socially distance? How can we have masks? How can we limit congregations? And so. I don't, I don't think that there's, I, I, I don't, I mean, I think it's, I think your decision to not play hockey is sensible, um, as, as painful as it might be, it's a sensible decision. Um, and I think everybody's going to have to make their own decisions. And, and my, my, I guess my, my take on it is let's, let's make sure those decisions are based on science, yep. right? Like yep. let's, let's figure out what the risks are. Let's re- recognize the uncertainty. Like, you know, what time is Don's power going to come back on? Right. And let's, <laughs> give, let's give the, let's give the, uh, you know, reasonable estimates of, of those numbers, uh, to the greatest extent that we can. And how can we, how can we play hockey safely? And maybe we can't, right. Maybe we really, we really can't. Um, I think, I think that we probably can open up my building safely, but again, it's going to require, um, limiting the number of people. It's going to require people wearing masks. There should be, you know, hand-washing facilities or hand sanitizer available. 
Um, if you're going to work in the laboratories, you can socially distance. That that's all relatively controlled. My my thing with the hockey is it's it's not that controlled, right? right absolutely. And you are. And here's the thing: it's cold, like in a meat yes. plant. Also, you're exercising, which means you're breathing heavily. I, yep. Which we know elevates the well, we believe elevates the risk as well. And so that's a much tougher job. Like figuring out how to safely reopen hockey is much more challenging than how to safely reopen an office building, right? And so um yeah, it's um it's it's a it's a it's a challenge. Um I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that job, right? Right. Well and and so there I mean there's two two other things that come up for me. One is I, I and, and uh, one of the one of the reasons why I love ta- like doing this podcast and talking with you about this is it allows me to kind of like talk through my reasoning with 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 you and and I don't know and this is like I guess the the part that I'm struggling with is it's a lot easier for me to punt this forward and say you know what I'm not ready to do this now but I don't really know in July what's going to make me feel any different right right now like, like, like it's still going to be cold. There's still going to be lots of people around. It's still going to be a, a control, like a uncontrolled, um, environment when you're on the ice. Like, I mean, the, the, the whole point of the game is, is that you have a, you have a puck and you're trying to score it and someone on the other side is trying to get close to you to take it away from you. Like, so, so there's just by, by default, the, it, it it's, it, it is, I'm going to be around other people. I can't wear a mask. I can't expect them to wear a mask. I mean, I can expect it, but they're not going to, um, because it's it it, it isn't um, it, the the arena is not not requiring it. The you know the the executive order doesn't require it from from the governor. All these things are are like wrapped up in it. Um, and so I, that's the thing that I, I just don't know. It's like well, what what is going to make me feel better about this? What when will my decision making change? Um, when, when you decide to play baseball instead, oh my <laughs> I mean, gosh. right, you know, right. Like, like that's, that's a, you know, again, it's it, baseball generally outdoors, um, much more socially distant. Yes. There's exertion. Yes. There is some contact, but it's not, it's not like hockey, right. Or even, even like, like, like if we, if we were to rank these, right. Hockey would be most risky followed by maybe outdoor soccer followed by outdoor baseball. Right. I mean, yep. you could sort of come up with a, with a hierarchy and, and hockey is boy, it's, that's pretty close to the top, right. Just because of the cold, the cold environment. Right. I mean, it, it, I would say hockey is probably even riskier than football. Yeah, um, I, although, because although there is, well, I don't know though. But then there's more. There's less social distancing. You're more distant on average with with hockey. I don't know. We need. We need some computer models. I've been thinking about this a lot. We need some like agent-based models for virus shedding. And, oh. you know, people talk about like uh, <clears throat> closer than six feet or further than six feet. And, and people are talking about this 10-minute window, like the the risk if you're just passing by someone. You know, that's quote unquote safe, but it really it's just lower risk. And there's some, you know, like we think that it's maybe you have to be at least, you know, 10, 10 minutes or yeah, within within that six foot range for 10 minutes. And yeah, I would really like I would really like to see some, you know, person to person spread, you know, agent based modeling for for that. But we're not I don't think we're there yet. At least I haven't seen it. So Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't think it's that. maybe someone's working on it, but I don't we've definitely not seen anything out there on this. And and this agent based person to person modeling has a lot of it's you know this, this what starts me down this conversation is I'd like to play hockey but but it has <laughs> way more application in the things that we're interested in like a mean poultry plant or on a farm um harvesting outside is is maybe more like playing baseball than than uh, you know uh, being in a in a meat plant which is more like hockey and one thing that we haven't talked about 
um, at all that I'll, that I I'd also want to throw into the model is the the um, uh, forced air uh, HVAC system application to keep that arena cold. There's a ton of like air currents that that mm-hmm. are that are existed with really cold air. So like I I don't know. I mean all all of that stuff is is playing in, and I'm just like what's what's really nice about this whole process is I've I've got a a bunch of teammates that are like, Hey, you take your time. We don't care when you come back. Also, it might be because I'm not a very good hockey player, but, uh, but, but, but they're like, yeah, we, I mean, like, I, I totally understand. We're, we're going to, we'll all make our own risk decisions. And I, you've got a, you're at a different, you're in a different situation than us. If we work for a tech company, um, and you know, you're, you're so, so anyway, it, 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 I, you know, talking through this is, is helpful. One other little like twist that I want to give you is I'm also, um, you know, both my kids play hockey and, and it is a machine, you know, youth hockey is, is this whole process and, um, traveling is part of what we have to do in North Carolina, especially at the higher level of youth hockey for competition reasons. And, and my, none of my, neither of my kids are, are in that sort of elite travel um, system, but we do travel quite a bit. And I, 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 you know, I, I, what, one thing that sticks in my, in my mind is how we manage this over the next, you know, couple of years for, for kids, because just like, just like adult hockey recreation is not like something worth getting sick or dying over. Um, it's, it's a nice thing to have in, in my life, but, but it's not something that I, I, you know, I need to have youth hockey is a, is a similar situation. And I, what I, what I hope ha- doesn't happen is that we make different decisions because, you know, pointing around to what other organizations are doing around the country. I, I have a real concern about what happens when, when a kid, inevitably we're going to have at least one kid out of 600 um, test positive for COVID-19, even if they're, they're asymptomatic. And what does that mean to the rest of that team? There's a lot of money wrapped up in this. You know, if we, if, if the entire team of 19 kids goes into um, self-isolation for, for two weeks because they've been exposed, which is what CDC recommends today, which I can't see that that's going to change magically in, in, in September. Um, but if, mm-hmm. if that's happening, wh- what do you do? You cancel the next seven games. Well, that's, um, you know, $3,000 worth of ice or, and, and travel that, so how do you, I, I don't, I like, it's a, I don't, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't really want to be in the decision-making, but I also want to make sure someone's got a plan on how we're going to do this and that it doesn't lead to, um, uh, you know, it's analogous to the food safety world. I, I don't want people showing up with being with exposure and, be, and then exposing other people kind of like someone showing up to work sick because there's a social pressure to do so. Right. Like, like, because, because, oh, we've been, this will mess up this, you know, this entire team's schedule, or we're, we're supposed to go to this really fun tournament in Nashville. And, and I'm just not going to tell everybody about my kid, you know, my kid being exposed because that's going to impact 20 other families and their, and, and, you know, the cost of them canceling their, their hotel rooms and their flights and all that kind of stuff, because, because our team has to go into self-isolation. It's going to be the, like the next year of, and I'm sure other youth sports are, are absolutely dealing with this exact same thing, but it, it's going to be a really odd time that I actually don't like 
I don't want to deal with it. I don't like, I'd, I'd much rather us just not play hockey this year. Us, my, like my, my family, but both my kids, this is their part of their like social and I, you know, structure and identity too. So it's, it's just a really odd trade-off decision that, that we're going to have to make. And I, and I, and, and very similarly, I don't, I mean, here we are in June. I don't want to make this decision today because we're not even going to start playing until the fall. So I want to punt it forward and be like, you know what, maybe I'm going to feel differently about this in two months. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I, you know, thinking about like identity and, and social, um, whatever that, whatever the phrase was you used, yeah. right. Uh, uh, same, same. I'm, I'm, I, I think about it constantly. Like I am so lucky that I have a job that I can keep doing my job and do it remotely and, and talk to my graduate students on, on a video conference and hopefully get the labs back open and get people in the labs, but also doing it appropriately in social distancing. And, and again, talking with you, uh, talking with other people, through for work calls as well as for social calls. Like I've been trying to do more of the scheduling video calls to talk with people just to say how you doing and just, you know, to, to kind of fill that gap that would, that would have been filled by seeing everybody at IAFP this summer. Right. So, um, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to transition to talk about the other thing that's been going on, um, oh, good. Yes. And specifically about how you spent your day yesterday. So yeah. obviously to put this in context, there's a lot of protests that have been going on, um, with regard to black lives matter. Um, there was also was a science and I forget the, the hashtag, but I'm sure you, you'll, you'll know what it is, but, but we were, in, uh, encouraged to, or there was a, a movement to basically go for people to go on strike yesterday, people in, uh, STEM fields, uh, science, technology, right. engineering and medicine, Ma- math, um, math, math, I think, I think, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so, so step science, science, basically science field to go on strike and to do stuff around the black lives matter movement, specifically about black lives in, in academia. And I, and I, what I did was, and I'll claim this, is I talked to um, a former graduate student who's from Haiti, um, uh, who's black. I, I talked to her via text message yesterday. So that was what I did, which was I didn't. That was not really something I did. She just texted me, and we had we had a really nice chat. She's she's a wonderful um, uh, former student, uh, and Charles Vegdal, who works at Cornell now, um, and that's what I did. So I'll claim that. But you actually had a whole concrete program, and I I would I really want to hear about what what you did. I know I know what you did because you told us what you were going to do, but yeah. I want to hear how it went. And I want to give you a chance to talk about it. Cause I think it was really, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're, you, you, you did a much better job of doing that than, than me for sure. <laughs> oh, well, no. And, um, okay. So, so let me, I, I, let's go, go back a little bit in, in time on this. And so, um, I posted something on, on social media, a, a tweet storm, uh, about a week ago. Um, and, and so one, you know, one of the things that, that kind of, it kind of happens. Um, I, I, let me, this is, this is a like harder one to, to talk about, I guess. Um, so, so I'm, I guess at heart, I'm, I'm very much someone who I really value activism. Like I really think that, um, in my, in my reading of, of history, the, the things that really matter that have, that have moved you know society forward is, is activism. And, and sometimes that activism is, um, is, is lobbying and visiting with, with, you know, Congress people. And, um, and I think about it from the food safety side of things or there are food safety advocates who I don't think would look, to, look at themselves as activists, but very much are trying to change policy, um, like stop foodborne illness and, um, Barbara Kowalczyk's group, the, um, uh, center for food safety, um, 
uh, CFI, food safety, something, um, center for, anyway, sorry, I, I butchered that, but, but that, that world of, of food safety, you know, I, I really value that. I think that the, there's a, a need, there's always a need for a voice from, for m multiple voices, whether it's academic or, um, you know, consumer advocacy groups to try and change policy. And, and I, um, I think growing up, I, uh, my, the, my musical interests were, were around punk rock and, and activism type, type music. And, and I, I really subscribe to that. So, so when, um, you know, much of what's been happening, uh, in, in the U S and, and all throughout the world, uh, in response to, um, to the murder of, of George Floyd, um, in, in Minneapolis, uh, a few weeks ago, it, I, 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 I really, um, I really paid attention to that. I, we spent a lot of time, w you know, watching news coverage and talking about it within my family. Um, and, and just, and, and Danny and I actually really differ on this. Um, not, not that <laughs> that's going to sound terrible. It's not that she is racist and I'm anti-racist. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I have a very, um, I'm really supportive of, of demonstrations and, and, uh, and protests that that in turn turn violent, whether it comes to property destruction or whatever, because I really think that 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 raises the that raises the stakes, right? That raises the game, and and I, I so I, I don't I, I really am careful. I don't I don't look at that as as rioting, and it really kind of I don't know. Some of it kind of bothers me on uh, on you know the both sidedness of, of the of the conversation where it's like it's okay to have peaceful demonstrations but once it gets it's violent now this is this is you know people are just uh, you know being idiots and and there are there is a component of that that gets that that happens right there are individuals that are going to show up and and loot because there's an opportunity but but there are also like it's also part of what what I feel like needs to happen to move things to move things forward it's it's not the only thing but it it really does lead to people paying attention like the black lives black lives matter movement doesn't have the same sort of um i don't know uh focus uh or or uh recognition uh with without some of this if we go back to um you know where, where things started in, in st louis a few years ago and and all that so anyway i, I follow this and and I and I haven't and and follow it and and I guess like quiet not quietly support but but I haven't you know I don't actively do anything and we were writing this writing this proposal um, which which ended up taking a lot of a lot of focus and time and as things were were happening I I didn't I didn't really say anything um, and and one of my um, really close like colleague kind of called me on it and and so I wrote a post saying you know I I. I really should have said something. And, um, and this colleague kind of said, look, you, you have a, you have a voice in the world of food safety and, and people might be looking for what your, what's your take on this. And, and if, if you don't say anything, I didn't, you know, the, this person wasn't, wasn't like, I don't, I don't really care what your, what your take is, but, but you, you know, it would be very helpful if you, if you sort of said what you were thinking. Um, about this. And so, so I wrote a, a post about that and, and, and sort of said, yeah, this is that, that you were, you know, this, this individual is right to, to absolutely right to call me out. And, and I, it, it isn't, it's easy to get busy and, and not, not say something about it. So, so, um, that, that sort of started this, this whole, whole process. So yesterday, um, on June 10th, there was, uh, a, a movement, uh, called shut down STEM and, uh, shut down academia, 
which which I really like initially, um, you know, we, we had a, a little bit of a text conversation about this a few days ago, just that it was kind of like a strike. Like that was what the, what it was kind of billed as was like a day that, that we're going to go on strike for, um, for, for black lives, uh, and, and black, um, uh, you know, against black oppression. And, and the more I read about the, the, that, that movement, it was, I, I, I like, I, I think this is like a, a classic, like headline reader, process versus let, let me read the whole article was like, Oh, I don't, I don't quite get a strike, but let me, let me read more about this. Like, what is this going to do? And, and when I read more about it, it wasn't about like a strike, like, like everything get, gets shut down for, and, and we, and we pick it. It was don't do what you normally do for a day and, and focus on how, what you can do as an academic to, to, to move, move this discussion forward, to really try to impact, um, you know, uh, social injustice and, and, and racism within our, within our field. So, so I, I, um, I talked with a few folks, um, in, you know, in my group and, and outside and I was like, we, we're, we should do this. We should, we should just, you know, shut things down for the day and, and spend the day thinking about, the research that we do and the outreach that we do and, and who we are, what our, what our, what the makeup of our program is and what we can do as, as leaders in the food safety world to, to really address racism. And so, so that's what we did. So I, I kind of came up with a little bit of a, um, I guess a list, uh, of things, um, that I, that I suggested to my group to do. Um, and so we, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll read from the, from the list we, we do, cause we do a lot of human subject research. Um, there's a, um, a program called, uh, CITI, which stands for something. Of course I, you know, let me look on the homepage. Anyway, it's a, it's a, a program that does, um, human subject training, uh, about why we have IRBs and, and you and I have talked about IRB in my, um, it, you know, uh, situation, um, in, in, in doing, uh, human subject research and people getting, you know, a couple times getting upset about what we were doing and how we communicated. And I take a lot of that to heart now, part of, of the IRB, um, process. And, and so in the city training that, that our, our, uh, human subjects researchers and in our institution are encouraged to do talks about, um, sort of the history of IRB and, and as a researcher working with human subjects, how, why we have it. And, and one of the, the reasons is because of, um, a, a study that happened um, it, it, by the U.S. Public Health Service around syphilis, um, and it's known. You know, I guess we we talk kind of about it in the world of um, human subjects as the Tuskegee study. Uh, we'll link to mm-hmm. this on. Um, uh, it, there was a, a, a really I, I, you know, a brief summary of this study um, in uh, the, the CDC has, but it, essentially uh, the, there was a um, a study that happened for 40 years looking at um, uh, uh, black uh, poor black men um, who had syphilis and and the idea of the study was actually withholding uh, treatment uh, for that targeted population anyway it led to um, a whole bunch of changes you know nationally and uh, what we do for for um, human subjects. So anyway, I was like, this is one of the things that we can do because we, why, I, you know, I, I sort of suggested my whole group go take this this training. Um, it's online. It gives you an idea of, of what we what we do and why we should think about um, 
underserved populations and explicitly the, the black uh, population in the work that we do. Um, there's there was a really great um, hashtag called uh, Black and Ivory that was on mm -hmm. Twitter um, that came to my you know came on my radar over the weekend, and so I said read read stuff about that. Um, there was uh, we our my college had a town hall meeting earlier this week, um, and so we uh, that that was recorded. So uh, we we went and you could go watch that. Um, and and really, what I wanted to do, and 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 this we're in the midst of this was was sort of have my group think about what we how we should address this in, internally and externally as we go forward. So next week, I think next Thursday, we're gonna have um, a, a Zoom meeting for all. You know, fifteen or sixteen people that that are you know researchers with me is either students or undergraduate uh, research assistants or research assistants or extension associates or whatever, um, and we're going to talk through this, uh, and and you know things like, um, so so I posted a couple of things about this and I got I got some some really like very supportive feedback from from lots of people, but it but it included a conversation um, with with folks who are. Um, who, who are part of the International Association for Food Protection as members talking about what could we do to help move that organization forward and 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 not just look at the the process of like hey more we should have more black or people of color who are in leadership positions but what is it about the system that has not encouraged that how can we how can we actually actively change that and what are what are the things that we should do as as members and and so so a lot of like i think a lot of positive things have, have come out of this but it really came from me like I don't know. I, I feel like I, I really thought about like the term woke a lot. I don't want to be like this, this woke person all of a sudden, um, just cause of the, this, you know, Oh yeah, now this is a thing that I, that I, that I'm, you know, that I'm really passionate about. And then three weeks I'll go away from it. Um, I, I really think that not, you know, getting really busy and not doing something publicly about this, um, was a little bit of a, a, you know, a, a, a blessing in, in this because, it, it it made someone call me out on it and and then have me reflect and think about what can I do and that you know that's where that's where we are today. So so anyway, thanks for letting me rant a little bit on this, but it's it, it is something that I I think as academics we do like we we've got a we have a role right like we I, I've never really thought about what can I do to attract students and train students who are black to my to to my program. It, it, uh, uh, overtly, right? Like, like what, what, how can I do this? How can I be a better, do a better job at this? Um, I really never, uh, I've not really thought about, um, the, you know, diversity of, of, of my, my team and not like, Oh, I should let, where, where's my like token black individual. It's like, no, no, maybe there's a reason why they're, why we have a, a, a really like white looking program. What can I do about that to make it better? Like that, that's the, and that's that weird, I guess, weird line to walk like a, that, that I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I guess. Yeah. And, and I've, I've been lucky to have a couple of, of black students, but not American black students, right? Like they were, uh, one was from Haiti, one was from Kenya. Um, and my, you know, the way my program works for the most part is I just wait for people to show up. <laughs> right. Right. That's, that's who's in my lab. Me too. Uh, although I do some active recruiting, it's not, it's not based on ethnicity or, or gender. It's really based on like, do they look like they're, they've got passion to do science. Right. And, and, and they've got the ability to do science. Um, um, 
yeah. So, um, yeah, I, we, we could all, we could all do better, but anyway, thank you for sharing that. That was, uh, that was a really, that was a really good story and we'll, we'll link to, uh, yeah. So I did find, um, city stands for collaborative institutional training initiative. Thank you. Um, and so we'll, we'll link to that. Um, there is a, the, we'll link to the CDC, uh, syphilis study, but the Wikipedia page is, is really extensive and we'll link to that as well. And then we'll also link to, uh, black and ivory, um, have a hashtag on Twitter. There's a, a lot of great stuff for people to read there awesome awesome thanks yeah um all right so what so one one thing i there's a couple of food safety things we should talk about and i do have mm -hmm. a hard out i gotta do a yep. a webinar uh at 11 and so but i want to ask you about some of the questions there so you can give me so you can help me um yeah, sure. prepare for it uh but um so, so we, I don't think we've really mentioned, but we've done three, well, we alluded to it, but we, we've now done three of these like, um, episodes of you, me, uh, Michelle Daniluk and sometimes Linda Harris and sometimes someone else, um, just getting together and talking about like food safety and COVID-19 and, and lots of different things. And I think it's becoming a thing and I want to keep, keep going on it. So we'll link to those. Um, those shows in, in YouTube. And I know we, we mentioned it when we talked to Gordon and we talked to Andrew in the last couple of um, uh, episodes. But um, the, one, one of the things that I, like, I thought about, so you know what's weird is that when we, the four of us see each other in like a Zoom call, that's not weird. But if we, you and I were to turn our cameras on and talk to each other, that would be weird. Like, 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 and, and I don't know why it's still you. We're still talking about the same things, but this, this podcast is just about us talk. I don't know. It, yeah. We I, tried it. Tried, we, we tried did. doing video calls and it was, it was quite, it was quite odd. So yeah. So, but that's fine. It's just, it's what you're used to and it's weird what you get used to, right? Like I was thinking about this with my, with my stupid dogs, like we got them new dog beds, um, because the old dog beds were smelly and, and couldn't easily be washed. And so we got them some really nice new, um, LL bean dog beds where the covers are washable and, uh, they feel different from the old dog beds. They're right. not as soft. They smell new. They don't smell like dog. And so it really, they really have not taken to them. So what I've started doing is like just leaving my old clothes in the dog bed so that at least they think it smells like me, oh. um, which surprisingly is disgusting as that sounds, it actually works. Um, and so, but they're still not, they still, the dog beds still don't still smell enough like dog yet. So it's, and they, and they are really nice and durable, but they're, but they're also, they're canvas. And so they're kind of stiff and they're not, not as, as comfortable, but we're working on it. Um, but amazingly same size bed in the same size place. Dog says, no, that's not my bed. <laughs> cause, cause they're, cause they perceive the world differently. So yeah, yeah. anyway, I forgot how we got on that, but right. yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about prepping for your thing. Okay. So, so here are some questions. This, uh, uh, it, it's a webinar, um, for agritourism businesses. Mm. Um, and, and so it, and it could be anything from like this agritourism is one of my favorite, um, topics right now. Uh, I have a student, um, who I co-advise with Megan Jacob, who's a professor in, um, our college for veterinary medicine. Um, and the student, um, her name's, uh, Catherine, uh, Gensler and Catherine is a, like just a wonderful PhD student. And, and she is looking at, um, really like we I think we, what we're going to do is, um, is build a, a risk assessment of agritourism events where there's animals involved. Like there is a petting mm -hmm. zoo risk assessment, mm -hmm. but, but goat yoga is a little different. And that's the example that I like to give <laughs> is goat yoga. Um, or we, there's a, a really great outbreak, not, I shouldn't say a good example. It wasn't a great outbreak, but there was a, I think it was an 0157 outbreak linked to, 
um, a, a, um, a daycare uh, a couple of years ago in Pennsylvania where there was a goat that was part of the daycare. So that kind of stuff. It's not like – so anyway, we're talking to agritourism businesses. But what I'm really interested in is is those types of businesses and those events or like going to a museum or a traveling petting zoo, which I didn't even know existed. Where, But it, that's what we would call it. But the operator might call it a um, – like a – uh, therapy, um, animals going into nursing homes, uh, thing. So, so anyway, um, I, the webinar that I have to do, uh, is, or not have to do that I'm doing today, uh, is, is with the agritourism, um, organization here in North Carolina. And, and they want to know about like, um, you know, questions to me. So, so some of them are, like with the COVID-19 pandemic, how do you see the consumer's reaction to our food safety? It's a really like general general question, um, and I'm I'm doing this cold because I haven't opened these questions up. So, uh, but here here's here's one that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I host a come pick your own muscadine vineyard. So there so there's this is this is what I'm talking about. Should I require my visitors to wear masks? It will be so hot in the months uh, that muscadines are ripe and able to be picked. I have 44 rows of grapes, so I think social distancing can be easily easily attained. So what are your what how, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Don? And I'll take notes so I can just re- repeat them in an hour. Yeah, actually, um, I I think it is it, it is good uh, to be <laughs> I'm in favor of the muscadine grape bed. Yeah. People should eat more muscadine grapes. Yeah. Oh, muscadines. Um, no. Uh, so I think it is possible for people to socially distance with with those rows. And I get the point about being hot. Um, I I think maybe having a sign saying. Um, wear a mask if you can, but whether you're wearing a mask or not, please be, you know, please, please be very careful about social distancing, right? So encourage the mask and require the social distancing is where I would net out with that. And how you're going to enforce that, I don't know, but just, you know, just tell people, look, you know, you, you need to, you need to be socially distant. Well, and, and also please, please don't, you know, if, you, if you're, if you're sick, please don't come pick today. Well, and so, so here's the fun, the fun part. You, 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 you said it um, as part of your comments, how are you going to enforce that? I don't know. And I think that right. is the real, like, this is the analogous world to what we do in food safety all the time. I can write the greatest standard operating procedures all like, right. Like you give me, give me a day give me a business. And I I'm confident that I can figure out the best way to manage food safety there the on paper, right. In, in standard operating procedures where everything can fall apart is how are you going to train your people to do this? And how are you going to make sure that, that if they don't do it, that you have a way to, uh, to to close the circle on that to to do some enforcement and and it, I think agritourism provides a very um, complicated process to enforcement because the enforcement is the the paying person who is my patron, <laughs> right? Like like I, that's who I need to 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 convince that it's important for you to follow these these steps and and I I don't have any good answers but I think that the the businesses that are going to reduce their risk more are going to figure out a way to 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 enforce it, to to monitor, uh, to adjust what they're 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 doing to to make sure that it's not just you know lip service in the in the sense of hey you should wash your hands uh, kind of thing. Well. Yeah, and I, I think ultimately it is up to the customers, but there are things the business can do. So, for example, you could have um, again depends on the configuration of the the, the muscadine 
um, vineyard, but you could have like one-way rows, right? Like you only go this way on this row. There's no doubling back, right? And you can also keep track of like you know the the acreage, you know the 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 the, the um, square footage, right? And you know the number of people you let in. And it's possible that you don't let people um, you don't let people in. I mean, if if it gets super busy, you have to turn people away, right? Like, but I, you know, I, I think ultimately, I think it it. it there's not a lot the business can do. They really have to rely on their customers. And so it's about making clear to customers, look, you you take some risk on coming here to pick muscadine grapes. Here are the things that we ask you to do to do this safely. Please follow the signs for the one-way rows. Please maintain social distancing. Uh, please also realize that if it gets too crowded, we will stop admitting people until a certain number of people leave. I mean, it's it's basically not that different than what grocery stores are doing, really, to be right, honest. Right, absolutely, right? yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a really good analogy that I'm gonna use. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so here's a good one. Uh, what are the priorities, the requirements and recommendations, right? So that's a big, big question. But here, the second part of the question is really the, the I, I think the difficult part, the concern about COVID-19 is very different in rural versus urban areas in practice, particularly where there have been very few issues, only those reported by the media. Uh, parentheses, I, for one, do, do not personally know of anyone that has been diagnosed, hospitalized or died from the virus. So, so let me, let me repackage this because I think the question is, um, it, it, that was a, that was a statement. That wasn't a question. It was. It was. It was. Um, I, I, but I think the, I think the question lies in. So so okay, maybe there's a lot of community spread in places where there's a lot of people. But out here in in rural America, um, we we don't we're we're not seeing a lot of community spread. And and so so what so should I be held to some sort of same same priority as someone in you know in in a different county or in a different setting or in a meat pro processing plant. And, and this is, this is one that, that I'm, you know, uh, uh, how I'm going to approach this is really by saying the, you don't know who's coming to your, to your farm. Um, you, you know, we, you don't know whether it's someone coming from an urban setting or from a rural setting, uh, you pro proximity would say that the mo majority of people that are coming might be from, from a rural area, but you know, you, you don't want to be the cluster of illnesses in you know, in, in this rural County, I, you know, I think, I, I don't think, I don't look at it as we need to control this differently in rural, rural areas versus urban areas. Um, the, the amount of exposure is, is going to, is likely currently lower. Um, but, but I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to put a situation where, um, we're not taking the same precautions and, and the same challenges exist in rural settings as they do in, in urban settings. It's not like the virus cares, um, where it is. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I think the way to flip it back on the person is to say, look, um, you can, you don't know, and all it takes is one person, and then guess what? You are now um, ground zero for the start of the outbreak in your county, right? Because you didn't practice, you didn't have good practices in place, and so one person from the outside who brought in the infection, you've now jump started that infection in your county, right? So so don't don't you want to take don't you want to be reasonable in your actions and not just assume that every Everybody doesn't have the virus, right? Because because the virus is going to get everywhere eventually, and and it could, and you could be the you could be the source in your in your in your rural region that doesn't have a lot of cases, right? Right, right, right. Yep. Um, so there's a couple of good ones that I'm not even going to be able to answer on this. Um, do well, so, and when when we're done not answering those, I've got some questions from my NJ.com live uh, interview coming up later today that that perfect. I would like you to not answer. So good, good, good. <laughs> um, 
so okay, so so here's one that that sort of goes on that that same conversation about customers. But I want to uh, let's come let's circle back to this one. So it's we have signs posted everywhere limiting the number of customers in our market, sanitizing rules for our customers, and I think they mean like hand sanitizing, um, mm-hmm. as well as what we are doing to ensure their safety. But we still have many customers who just ignore those. How do we ask them to sanitize, and I guess hand sanitize without offending anyone? And and you know my my quick answer on this is. You, you, why are you worried about offending them? Like, like if for for all the same <laughs> for all the same reasons. And I understand that we don't have any actual money at the table on this one, right? Like, like I, I I'm running a business. I, I or if I'm running a business, I don't want to piss my my customers off. But at, at the same time, there are probably customers on the outside that walk in and see other customers not following the rules and turn around and walk out. And and that's the you know, that's our, that's our current situation where, um, there's a lot of, um, uh, polarization of this, of a pandemic issue and how well people are implementing practices can, can both bring customers in and piss them off. And, and, and I think you just have to make it a trade-off. And for me, I, and, uh, you know, this is why they're going to put me up there and I'm going to take all the arrows on this one. Um, I, right. I'm, I'm going to fall on the, on the side of, uh, of public health. And I think you, you just say, look, if you can't, you can't follow our rules, I don't want you to be our customer right now because I, I'm concerned about the health of my customers. Um, and, and that's again, easy for me to say, but that's where I'm going to, where I'm going to lot, you know, fall on this. Yeah. And, you know, and this is this is a, a thing even before the pandemic, like the consultants often think about, like, should I fire my customers? Right. Because if they're not good customers, yeah, you should definitely fire them. And I, in terms of a practical implementation of this. And again, I'll, I'll call out Wegmans because um, I think they've done a lot of good things. You don't get into my Wegmans without sanitizing your hands. Right. And so the way that you solve this problem is if if you can, I mean, it's going to take time and it's going to take money. Right. You have to, you, number one, you have to provide the hand sanitizer. Number two, you have to provide a person. And you have to configure your operation such that everybody goes through that choke point, right? And when they go through that spot, you don't cross this line until I see you sanitize your hands, right? It's it's and and it's not about repeat. I don't think it's necessarily about repeated sanitizing your hands, right? right? I think once is good, and then after that, we're going to rely on the fact that you're going to have a mask, right? So so here you go. Um, you don't you don't cross this line unless I see you sanitize your hands and I see you wearing a mask, and then. What I've also heard in some situations is, and we were talking about this recently on a, a phone call, some call somebody sometime, um, with what do you do with people inside the grocery store when they take their masks off? And again, that's just that's just I think being irresponsible, and that shouldn't that shouldn't happen. And so again, you got to be willing to maybe fire your, fire your customer um, and say, look, I'm sorry, you you can't uh, shop here unless you're wearing a mask. Right. Well, and one right, 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 and one other thing that. That it makes me think about, you know, we're we're talking about customers here, but but what about your staff that you're putting into a situation where you've got customers that are are maybe exposing them to a public health risk? How do you, you know, do do you really want your your staff first of all to be to get sick, and secondly to think that you're not supporting their health, right? Like like that's I, I just think it's part of good management, um, in, you know, in in this process. Even if you don't, even if you're you're from. Uh, you know, some, some part of the, the North, some part of North Carolina that doesn't believe that this is a real pandemic that's happening. Um, I, I think you really need to think about how, what you're doing to protect your employees. So, so I'm going to, yeah, I'll play that up uh, as well. Um, 
So, okay, the, the last one I want to ask you about was mm-hmm. something that was on our list. It still remains on our list of things to, to talk to Michelle and Linda about, but it's about weddings. So here's mm. – the question is this. What are the requirements going to be for farms and farm wedding venues? Question mark, which I can't answer that question because I don't know. Um, the second part is we need to know these things to prepare in a timely manner. And the way that I want to – I'm going to answer this is saying – I don't know what the requirements are going to be, but here are the best practices that if you're following these things, you, you're you're going to be prepared for whatever requirement is. And so it, it all comes back to social distancing um, f- for me, making sure that that you're creating a venue where – where where you are giving the opportunity for the patrons of that 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 event to social distance. They may choose to hug and kiss because it's a wedding. But but you need to give them enough space for those who are not going to do that, especially those in high risk um, high risk uh, groups. I, I would think about employee health screening. Um, for it, I, I I don't want the the servers to be the node of uh, of infection for a bunch of people because they are going to multiple spots, either doing like a cocktail service or or whatever. Um, I would think really seriously about a buffet station, um, and and again. Um, it, for two reasons. One, it's a congregation site for people um, who are waiting in line. And two, there's a lot of high-touch surfaces. And I can manage those those things, but I really need to – It's I'm not just throwing um, a bunch of food on a table uh, or on steam tables or steam trays like I would have in the past. I really need to think through how I'm going to manage the congregation and the high-touch surface. And maybe service at table is, is a, way, a better way to, to do it. Um, and then I'm going to think about um, – uh, cleaning and, and disinfection uh, of the event, but I don't like. I, I'm not going to predict what the requirements are going to be, but I, I think that it's going to be. Uh, if we know, if we see what's happened in in other food venues, it's going to be those four things. Like that's those are the common things that are that are uh, that we see in in restaurants and in grocery stores as well. So yeah, so, I. So here's the question to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, if you were a colleague of mine who might listen to the podcast who has a. Mm-hmm. Uh, a um, uh, a daughter or a son who is set to have a wedding in September um, here in North Carolina, and and you're nervous about it, and you're someone who is a public health uh, advocate and and a person who who believes in this. How how do you how would you manage? How, what, you know what would you do? Where are we? Do you think you're having a are you are you having a wedding for your for your kids uh, in in September? And well, first, first of all, Ben, let me say, I, your kids are far too young to get married, <laughs> so I am. I, I don't know what the kind of weird rules there are in North Carolina. <laughs> I think they're still too young. Um, uh, the the other the other point that occurred to me is when you're talking about weddings, um, I also started thinking about funerals, right? And yep. these are both like really important events. Um, there's probably there's there's I'm sure there's lots of farm weddings. I'm not sure there's too many farm funerals. <laughs> there might be, um, so, <laughs> but but there might be. Um, um, and then the other thing that occurred to me is um, what about, I mean, your, your idea about social distancing is important. And I think we, uh, part of what I would also advocate is a way in these contexts that are traditionally a lot of like, like person to person contact, hugging and kissing and, you know, and, and, and all of that, um, you might want a way for people to differentiate themselves. And so I'm thinking about like colored name tags or something saying like, yes, it's okay. I'm willing to take the risk. It's okay to hug me or a, a different color to say, look, I, I'm a, I'm an at risk person. I'm here. 
I'll, I'll, you know, but I, but I don't, I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be hugged. Right. Just to kind of take that, that stigma away from people having to say no to people. If they know, if they, if they can make a decision in advance and then wear, wear a, a name tag or something that to communicate that to people. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I, yeah. I like that. I'm adding that to the list because we saw that. Cool. You and I um, were were at a meeting in oh, uh, mm-hmm. in Vegas where we saw, saw that for the first time, um, yep. and so yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a really great one. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, I, you know, I would hate, I just hate to be like a downer about this, but boy, if my kids were getting married in. Um, in uh, September, I would seriously think about a way to do it virtually. I mean, I, that sounds terrible, yeah. but but do do a small wedding, you know, a small gathering with just family members, and then like have a you know save a date for a year when we'll have a big party, right? I mean, I I just. You know, I just it doesn't it doesn't seem advisable. And we've seen, you know, CDC has a, you know, wonderful, not wonderful, it's horrible um, outbreak, but an example of an outbreak that took place at a funeral. Right. And people people died from that. And that's that's bad. I don't think I've seen any for weddings, but the the risks are going to be the same. Yeah, it's and this is this is a tough one. You know, we're we're the 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 easy answer right now is shut them down. Don't have any of these things. If you're a venue, you shouldn't host them. That's that's the easy answer. The hard answer is okay. How do I pay my bills then? Right? Like right. like this right. is what we this is what we do, and and now that that portion of my business um, is is gone. We we have friends. Um, uh, my you know Danny and I have friends who who just opened a wedding venue, um, not not on a farm, but but in a like a rural area just north of Raleigh. Um, and like, this was, and I say just open, like they were, this spring was where they were having their first like set of, set of events and speaking with them a little bit, it's like, yeah, not, you know, 90% of, of what we had planned over the next year has already been canceled or postponed. So, so in lots of cases, individuals are making the decisions about, about this, but that still leaves like 10% where it's like, okay, it's going forward. We have the venue. What do we do? How will we manage this? Um, and, and because, you know, we, we have, a, we've got a, we've got a mortgage on the, on the venue. We've, we've got, we have bills to pay. We have staff. How do we, what, what do we do, um, with this? And, and I, you know, again, it's, this is a, it's a real tough one. So anyway, okay, let's go to yeah, your, and, and, oh, yeah. and so CD, CDC does not have wedding guidance, but they do have funeral guidance. And I, and I think that it's, it, it will link to that and it's, it would be good advice for people considering weddings as well. Yep. Yeah, good, good, good. All right. So let's go to your NGA.com Facebook live. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of these questions are New Jersey specific, um, and we have a large number of cases and it was really interesting that the media person, um, I, I read through the proposed questions, the media person read through the proposed questions and he's like, yeah, you know, we should, uh, he's apparently he's the, he's that guy. He's, he's a click. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, hey, uh, you know, Dave, uh, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to talk about some of these questions, uh, just to go over your answers. Uh, cause they're kind of politically sensitive, if you know what I mean. So anyway, it was, but it was, he's, he's, he's been really great to, he's been really great to work with. Um, so let me, let me, pick, so I got 16, let me pick some one that might be interesting. Um, well, this is a nice open-ended one. Um, now that the state continues to open, will residents have to accept some amount of risk? Just how much? Just how much? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, is it? And this is a question for me, right? Like it's for you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so you're not, you're not the extension specialist of COVID-19 in New Jersey. Um, uh, please, please answer this question for us. So, so yes, the, the answer is yes, they, they will. Yes. And just how much, uh, to be determined, uh, it, 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 it's complicated. Yeah. Well, and, but here's, here's one of like, th this is why I really enjoyed the, my, my evolution over the eight years or whatever we've done this podcast. Um, uh, because I would have, I, I, I would have. I would think differently about this from a risk management standpoint, how much risk they are going to be exposed to really, they will determine that as a patron, right? Like some, exactly. some, some exactly. people will just avoid, uh, some people will, will, um, wear N95 respirators. Some people will, um, do a really great job on hand hygiene and social distancing, right? Like, so, so I think what the, the answer is it, we, it's really variable, and all we can do is, is encourage, here are the things that you can do to reduce your risk, which is so analogous to what we do in cooking in homes, right? When it comes to like right. food safety, yeah. it's, it's, you know, yeah. all that, the, that, um, you know, that comes up. Um, so. Cool. Let me, let me give you a relatively easy one and then we'll, we'll hit you with another hard one. Um, so with the threat of the virus reemerging in the fall, are there any measures we should take now, such as stocking up on items just in case we see another surge like in March? Ooh, so, um, you know, maybe, uh, I, I think that the, the, what, what has really happened, um, is that we've seen the supply, the food supply and, and a good supply system has shifted to, um, to where we are currently purchasing things. I don't think that, that we're going to see the same kind of, um, uh, interruption on specific goods, but, but I certainly could see the continuation of having meat and poultry, cuts and, you know, different types of, uh, things in different packaging, uh, sizes of, of meat cuts, uh, um, you know, still be a problem into the fall. Um, but I, but I think the, the supply system is adjusting to that, that this is becoming less of a problem. Yeah. And so my answer is yes, if you want to stock up, but don't stock up too much. Right. And I could say with respect to food, you need to have a good first in first out system in place. Right. Like just how many cans of beans, just how many bags of rice do you actually need? And then make a plan to use those up because, you know, they, they might, you know, from a safety perspective, they might be good for a long, long time. But from a quality perspective, they're they're losing quality every day. Right. And you don't want you don't want to end up just throwing out food and wasting it. And again, the other thing with stocking up is think about other people, right? If you, if you really, really stock up and then you throw that food away because you didn't properly, you know, manage first in, first out, right? You've now just taken that food away from somebody else who maybe really would have liked to have bought it and, and wouldn't have wasted it. And so I would say, you know, just in that respect, be responsible. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, absolutely. So here's one of the politically sensitive ones. Um, do you feel the state would benefit from a public alert system like England is trying, where alerts, almost like weather alerts, go out to everyone's phone, informing the public that the virus has begun to spread in a certain region? Uh, so in theory, yes, but I don't think practically, mm -hmm. I don't know how you would do that. And what would it look like right now, right? Like we're in the midst of this pandemic. Um, I, right now in, in my state, I can search via zip code to see how many positive tests there are in my zip code. Right. So that's, that's interesting, right? Like it, it, it tells me about 
community spread. And I haven't done that in a while, but it's, it's low, um, in, in my, in my zip code, but I don't just stay in my zip code and my phone alert, you know, um, over time, right? Like if I think down 18 months from, from now, the phone alert, what is it, what is it really going to tell me? I I think that the vigilance that we're going to need to put in place, um, is not, I can't really be helped by a phone alert because I think the answer is, Hey, there's a lot of community spread. Everyone should take precautions <laughs> right now until, until we have better management system, which I, you know, includes, um, the, the uncertainty and prospect of a, of a vaccine and, and widespread use of that vaccine. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about through the whole pandemic is, is getting people to react appropriately, right? Not overreacting and not underreacting. And I could see a situation where a system like that would cause panic and overreaction. Imagine learning suddenly that there is an outbreak going on in your community. And so everyone in the community leaves. Well, any of the people in that community that were already infected, but but uh, asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, you've now encouraged the actual spread of the virus. You're actually causing the opposite of what you're what you're trying to do, right? And so, I think we just have to be really careful about about messaging and and about making getting clear what what we want people to do, right? And what we want them to do is to continue to to practice all of the good practices, right? Practice social distancing, wear masks. If you're sick, stay home you know, all of those kinds of things. And so adding an extra layer of technology on top of that may have unintended consequences, I think. So we just, I think we think very carefully about things like that. Yeah, absolutely. What else, what else um, you got? Oh, I got a bunch. Oh, this is a good one. On May 31st, a medical doctor in Milan launched a public dispute by saying the coronavirus quote, no longer exists clinically, end quote. Many experts rebuked him for causing confusion. How should we view claims like this? Did you, did, first of all, did you see this uh, Milan doctor? No, I'm not familiar oh. with this one. Yeah, so we'll, we'll link to it. But, but anyway, go ahead and uh, go ahead and give me your thoughts. Um, I think that I would uh, revert back to um, or refer people to CDC and, uh, uh, and FDA and, and other uh, public health agencies that would suggest that that is not true. Um, but, I mean, so the, the question is, how do we, how do we handle, um, I guess, uh, confusing misinformation or, or folks that are, um, that are really focused on, on saying this is overblown. I think how we handle it, how you and I have done it is, is we take to social media, we talk about it. We, we, uh, talk through data and we talk through what we do know and what we, what we don't know. And I think we, we need to continue to encourage a lot of people to do that. Yeah, so a little bit more context here. Uh, Dr. Alberto Zangrillo, the head of the intensive care at the San Rafael Hospital in Milan in Lombardy, the epicenter of Italy's uh, coronavirus outbreak, caused a stir by telling Italian media that a study by his colleague had shown that the virus was losing its potency. Zagrillo, who is best known for being the personal doctor of Italy's former president, Silvio Berlusconi. <laughs> oh, excellent. Perfect. So, so I'm, I'm imagining this guy kind of looks like Trump's doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, the third bullet point is <clears throat> WHO said the coronavirus is still, quote, killer, a killer virus, close quote. So, yeah, I think uh, I think the experts have pretty well um, re- re- rebuked that uh, that doctor's claim. So I, I would, I, my advice is just encourage people to be a little, a little skeptical, um, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there claiming a lot of things. Um, and, and I would say, listen to, listen to reputable scientists from reputable organizations. Yeah. And let me add on to that and reputable scientists from reputable organizations do more talking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That, that, that's, that's our message to you. And, and it's like, 
it's okay that this is a little adjacent to what we're really comfortable with, but we're, we're scientists and we can, we know about infection control and, and it's good to weigh in on this and not to, to weigh in on, uh, on it as saying, Hey, I'm the, I'm the, uh, uh, you know, utmost expert on this, but to reason through it from a, from a food safety lens, I think is good. We should have more people, um, on this as, as a shout out, I actually, um, saw, a, a really good video um, from our friend and colleague, uh, and I'll find this for show notes for us, Kristen Gibson um, from mm-hmm. the University of Arkansas, who did a, a really great like um, you know YouTube um, video uh, or YouTube question and answer uh, on COVID nineteen. It was great. It was great to see. Uh, great to see Kristen, but also she did a, just a fantastic job. We need more more folks, and lots of people are doing this, but it don't let's not hesitate to do them. Yes, absolutely. And she's, she is, unlike you or I, Ben, she is actually a real virologist. Right. Yeah. She knows, <laughs> she knows this stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, All right. So let's, so let's, let me get, ask you one more and then maybe we should wrap um, so that you can get to your 11 o'clock. Um, so since researchers have found traces of SARS-CoV-2 in wastewater in various parts of the world, is there a risk it has entered irrigation systems and created risks with fruits and vegetables? Ooh, this is a goodie. This is yeah, a goodie. Yeah. So, so here's the, here's, yeah, so there is a risk, right, Don? Um, that risk would be really, 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 really low. Uh, and, and so I, I would, I, I think that it's something that we, we absolutely need to keep our eyes on. Um, we, you and I, and Michelle and Linda talked about this a little bit, um, on our, um, uh, on our YouTube, uh, you know, episode, uh, last week. And it was a, a, a question that came from Ron Schmidt that I'll rephrase it. It's like, are we ready if this is, um, linked to, um, to food? And and I think we we went through the process of it's really unlikely that it is for the biology of of the virus. We haven't seen clusters associated with it. Not to say that it, it couldn't happen, but but I, I think all point all data sort of points to irrigation water itself. Um, I, I would say the risk is is not to to people that are consuming the food, but someone who might be around an irrigation sprayer as an employee um, where that those uh, virus particles, if they're even in small amounts, were in that water could be um, then, you know, uh, in, in uh, aerosolized isn't the right term. It's the one that we use a lot, but whatever it is could be put into the air that someone could breathe in. Um, that, that would be the risk to me, not, not the risk to the food system. Yeah, and I would I would say basically the same thing. And the other the only additional point I would add is that we need to just differentiate between tests that find SARS-CoV-2 RNA yes. or that indicate the presence of SARS-CoV-2 RNA and and um, tests that indicate infectious virus. And it's relatively easy easy to look for SARS-CoV-2 RNA. It's considerably harder to test for infectious virus. If you want to test for infectious virus, you basically have to have a biosafety level three lab because you need to inoculate um, uh, tissue with the sample that contains the virus to try to estimate, you know, what the levels and, and whether there's infectious virus there. Now, the good news is, is that there's at least one paper out there that has described a correlation between the CT value, which is the value you get from the RNA test, and the, the CT value you need that basically indicates infectious virus. Of course, there's nuances and there's there's things there, but you know the good news is that relatively 
um, high CT values, which indicate a low level of virus, do not seem to be correlated with infectious virus, whereas lower CT levels um, do. And so, and, there, and we can get some some guidance as to what those what those numbers are. But but yeah, I mean, again, the basic idea is that we're we already need to manage uh, wastewater um, getting onto food. So so the additional wrinkle of managing risk from SARS-CoV-2 is 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 smaller than the just the normal risks of making sure that we don't irrigate food with wastewater. Right? That's just not a good practice. Even even without a pandemic going on, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. That's a really good good thing for us to make sure we we keep you know explaining too. I, I think that one of the the things that um, if we go back to the to the start of the the pandemic, just the difference between virus like viruses and bacteria and and infection and and how virus how viruses are spread, but also the this idea of how we. How, how, what, what are the limitations of how we look for it? So, yeah, this is great. Um, so, so I will, um, I wanted to like end on one other thing that is food mm, safety. Sure. So, uh, last week, no, what was it? June 7th, whenever that was, that was on the weekend, maybe that was Fo- world food safety day. Cause you oh, know, yes. you yes, and I, Sunday, we, yeah, yep. you and I know that every day is world food safety day. Um, but I, I was extra safe on Sunday. Extra, extra safe. But okay, so we'll, let's we'll link to a um, an article that was in uh, um, Food Safety News on this because I thought there was, there was a really cool thing that the Partnership for Food Safety Education did instead of just sort of saying, "Hey, food safety is really important. Cook, chill, clean, separate, blah blah blah." All these things are really great. What they did was they recognized a whole bunch of um, folks that they said are food safety heroes. Um, and there's write-ups and links to a whole bunch of different people. So it was an open nomination. Um, I just want to point out that neither you and I were not, we, maybe are not, we were nominated. We just didn't get awarded uh, anything for <laughs> World Food Safety Day. Uh, but these are much better people. Um, so uh, things. Well, and mostly it seems like they're they're people, not or they're organizations, yeah. not people. But to a certain extent, yes. Yeah, yeah, and but they're like people that are on the front lines. Um, and mm. so, so As like opposed to you and I sitting in the back, the back uh, playing puppet master. Exactly. Right. 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 <laughs> doing doing our our things on our on our zoom in our zoom and booming. Um, uh, so, so for instance, um, Suzanne Driesen, this is from Minnesota, recognizes Kathy Brandt of the University of Minnesota Extension uh, during COVID nineteen. Uh, Kathy's coordinated food safety team's educational response. So, but anyway, it was a night, like, and then there's some other great ones. Um, the Idaho Falls Community Hospital's kitchen staff are recognized for being food safety heroes, dedicated to practicing food safety techniques. The kitchen staff take, began taking extra precautions to ensure meals for doctors and nurses on the front lines were safe. So I, it was cool. I, like I, I really liked reading through this, um, and and I think it was something nice and and different uh, for uh, for recognition around food safety. So um, so anyway, good you know. Uh, kudos to the Partnership for Food Safety Education and um, uh, uh, Shelly Feist and uh, Brittany Sonier, the folks that, that we know there, uh, for for doing uh, for doing good work and and for highlighting good food safety things that are going on. So good. And, good and let me let me let me just say, Ben, everybody listening to this podcast, in my mind, is a food safety hero. <laughs> yes, food safety hero 2021, 2022, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, I think we should uh, we should end the episode. Um, Don, as always, I look forward to um, 
uh, just talking with you and, and catching up every couple of weeks and more uh, now that, that we've been doing a lot of more stuff together. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, this is doing an episode is, is always, always fun. And it, and it grounds me for the rest of my rest of my week. Cause it, uh, it allows me to get a lot of the stuff that I've been thinking out, uh, off my chest and, and talk to you. So it's always fun. So, but yeah, I, and I, 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 lo- I like the ones where we get to ask you, thank you. I like the ones where we get to ask each other questions that we, that we, that we're, um, going to answer. And cause I think it always, it's always nice that we, it always seems like we, each of us always have a, like a different added perspective that makes the other one, you know, um, more, give a more well-rounded answer. So I really like that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. So we are June 11th. Uh, yeah, sorry. We sorry for pushing this for. Oh, we didn't. Oh talk no, about it's this. fine. Drive drive by graduation. Two of them. I wanted to talk about how your drive by graduation was. It was it. So I don't know. Like um, I don't remember my I, uh, my my uh, elementary school graduation too much. I know there are pictures of it, and it was like a whole thing. Jack was really down because. Um, graduation being not on the graduate side, but like when he was in um, fourth grade and third grade, it was cool. He's like, because we got to go and see these kids and it's a day off of school. Um, Like it's more of a celebration. So this was, it was a little, a little bit of a letdown for him. Uh, But I think the teachers did like, I mean what they could, it was cool. We drove, drove around and he got to say goodbye to all his teachers because he won't see them again. He he moves to a different school. Different school. Yeah. No, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. And then Sam had a a similar uh, parade of, uh, at the end of the year, uh, yesterday. So it was, I, I like, I think they both liked it and they both like going to it, but also has this weird, like end of school feel. Cause now, I mean, I really, for us, school kind of ended in mid March and, uh, and we will go back apparently J- July by July 1st, we're going to have some, uh, sense of what school is going to look like in the fall. Um, so, so we're in, we're in summer holidays, but it doesn't really feel like summer holidays cause we're also not going anywhere. Uh, and it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird time. So, but it was, it was nice to have like 
a, a final thing. So, so thanks for yeah, being... like some closure. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, please totally totally fine, and to give them some some closure. And yeah, I mean, especially if they're not going to see those teachers again, you know, that's 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 just yeah, you can't miss that. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, we we got that got through that. So so we can go back. So on the, I guess two weeks from now, if if we wanted to go back to earlier in the week, I'm fine. Like literally, I could do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday morning. Uh, <laughs> uh any day. Um, yeah i'm looking i got if, yeah whatever whatever suits you yeah so um the only day i've got something is tuesday i've got the uh, cps research symposium webinar which is what they're doing instead of their annual meeting they're spreading it out um so it'd be best for me to stay away from tuesday sure um so i could i do monday morning or wednesday morning Let's do Wednesday morning. Gives us a little time to Monday morning's always a little bit weird, right? A little there's tough because we're coming into the work week. Yeah. Yeah. And there's stuff that I just haven't done all weekend. Um so okay, let's do Wednesday. Uh, you need to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday morning, June twenty fourth, nine AM. Oh, nine AM. Yeah, perfect. Yep. Uh FST. I, I always have to go to the FST next. And this one is actually to this was 213 right is that correct i'm not sure um we're up to date on the website so yeah. whatever whatever is on the website is plus one yep yep 213 okay so 214 is is what we're doing wednesday on, on okay right because this one's yours so yep, this is this a is one. one yep 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 oh. cool all right so i i only got um i only got four titles and i think the first one is the best even though it came in the middle of the show which is goat yoga is a little different go perfect excellent i was gonna go with um with uh uh, uh boom what was the uh boom zoom, uh, zoom, bo zoom booming and zooming booming yeah. and zooming is which but uh but goat yoga is a little different it's good because booming and zooming is gonna have a like that would be a harder picture um goat yeah. yoga i can get a good one all right that's a good call all right. So, and I, I just dropped the links in. I'll save the file, um, and then uh, you're good to go. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I should be able to get this uh, up this afternoon because I, after my, uh, after my webinar here in 15 minutes, I don't really have much else going on. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, I'll uh, thanks again, and I'll uh, talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. Bye.